We pray that eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. Our hearts would be strengthened. Lord, I pray that answers would come. That revelation would flow. That which is just right for your people. Tailor make it, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to speak to the hearts of your people today. It's such a simple message, and yes, it's so profound. And we know, Lord, that the truth will set us free today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Tom and company. Let's give them a big hand. Praise God. They do such a great job. Well, the other day as I was kind of meditating and don't remember exactly what I was doing, but this just came to me, this phrase, keys to being kept. Keys to being kept. And so we won't look at all of the keys today. And by the way, I was able to preach this message in 30 minutes to the last group. And now that means they listened really, really good. And uh, so I'm not promising that. But how many of you just here, you want to hear from heaven? I want to hear from heaven. So let's open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter and the 23rd verse. Praise the Lord. Notice this verse with me. And the very God of peace. Now that's good right there. I'm glad it didn't see the, say the very God of stress. Or the very God of distress. Or the very God of fear. Thank God he didn't give you a spirit of fear. But he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The opposite of the spirit of fear is the spirit of faith. And so on the inside of you, you have the same spirit of faith that David had when he took Goliath down. On the inside of you, you've got the same spirit of faith that the children of Israel did when they walked around Jericho for seven days and shouted. That same spirit of faith that Abraham had. That same spirit of faith that Moses had. That same spirit of faith that Paul had. That same spirit of faith that Peter had. That same spirit of faith that Jesus had. It's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. I'm not praying for the spirit of faith. I'm saying I have the spirit of faith. There's a difference between praying for the spirit of faith and saying you have the spirit of faith. When you're praying for the spirit of faith, you're trying to get something you don't think you have. But when you're saying you have the spirit of faith, you're already declaring that you have ownership of the God kind of faith living on the inside of you. Amen. So say it with me. I have the spirit of faith. So the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That word sanctify means to separate you, separate you, to set you apart. There are some things that you and I have to be set apart from in this world. And then here's his prayer. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul 
and body. Now, I think it's interesting that he did not say body, soul, and spirit. He put it, I believe, in the order that God intends it to be in our lives. Spiritual things first. God first. Attending to the word first. Not body-minded, but spirit-minded. Not all fleshly-minded, but God-inside-minded. Amen? So he's praying that our whole spirit and soul and body would be what? Would be preserved. Another word for the word preserved is to be kept intact. Holy and completely until, blameless, until the coming or the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice with me in verse 24, and I ask you, did you wear your shouting clothes this morning? In verse 24, he says, faithful is he that has called you. Faithful is he that has summoned you to be kept whole till he returns. He's faithful to watch over his will to perform it on our behalf. And it is the will for his keeping power to keep you all the way till the finish line. Amen. Faithful is he that calls you who will also do it. Hallelujah. The Amplified says, In verse 23, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete. Being kept complete. Being kept intact. Being kept healthy. Being kept safe. Being kept fit for the master's use. It is God's will for you. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. It's the plan of God for you to live a full life, to finish your course, and then to go on to be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Thayer's definition of the word kept means to attend to carefully. It means to take care of or to guard. Strong says this. Strong says that to be preserved means to guard from loss or injury... Properly by keeping his eye upon us. His eyes are upon you. His eyes are upon the whole earth. And they're running to and fro throughout this entire world to show himself strong on behalf of those who have their hearts that are hooked that are loyal, and that are faithful to Him. So a major key to being kept is to be loyal to Him. Be faithful to Him. It's not a question of His faithfulness. It's not a question of His love. The question is, will we be faithful and will we be loyal to Him? And the answer is three times, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We shall be faithful. So what this is saying then, that he is supporting those 
whose heart is completely his. He'll never give up on you. He'll never leave you without support. He will never relax his hold on you. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm upholding all things by the mighty word of my power. If he's upholding the universe by the word of his power, if we have faith in the power of God, he will uphold you. If he's upholding everything, he can see to it that your PG&E bill is paid. He can see to it that you've got bread on the table, that you've got a roof over your head, that you've got a vehicle to drive, that you're able to do the will of God. Oh, thank God. So what is the response of those who are so supported? Here's the response of the supported ones. The Lord is my helper. I confidently and boldly say, I'm not afraid what man can do unto me. I'm not afraid what the Republicans or the Democrats may do or not do. I'm not afraid. I am part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Oh, somebody say amen. Think about it when you get up in the morning and you're combing your hair. Here's what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So he says, don't be afraid for you are of more value than many sparrows. Somebody says, well, what did you hear in church this morning? Well, pastor preached on, I'm better than a bird. (laughs) Amen. I'm more valuable than a bird. Hallelujah. He clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds birds by the billions every day. And he says, my is on the sparrow. And I know he's watching over me. He is. As a matter of fact, you know what he said about his his children, the children of Israel? He said this, I have kept you even though you were in the desert. Even though you went through difficult times, he said, I have kept you as the very apple of my eye. I looked up what the apple of my eye means. This phrase, apple of my eye, refers to something or someone that he cherishes above all others. I'm looking at a congregation of highly favored people. Amen. He's raised you up high. But he's not only raised you up high, but he is highly favoring you. Declare this with me. I have favor favor. with God God. and with man. I am a favorite of the King of Kings. Now that's good news. So that's our introduction. We already threw one key at you and that's be faithful. Amen. But I want to just establish this and lay the foundation. It's the will of God for you to be kept. Not only in your spirit, but he wants to keep your soul. You know, the Bible says he is the bishop and the overseer of our soul. What does that mean? He oversees our soul, our mind, our will and emotions by making the peace that passes all understanding available to those who will trust him. Amen. So cast your burden over on the Lord. Roll your care over on him. 
Refuse to yield to fear. Refuse to yield to worry. But rather cast your burden over on him and he will sustain you. That's the second key. As you cast your burden on the Lord, Psalm 55 verse 22. Let's look at that. Psalm 55 and verse 22. Now there's a ton of things we could be burdened about. Amen? But we don't have to yield to it. We can either yield to peace or yield to stress. Read that with me. Let's look at this for a moment. Ready, read. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous. That word sustained there means he'll support you. He will keep you. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept intact until he returns. A soul that is troubled, a soul that is worried, a soul that is filled with anxiety is open prey to the enemy and to torment. That's why your heavenly father says, cast all your care. Go like this. Say this with me. I cast... Do it like this. All, all my care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because you're the apple of his eye. Because he's on your side. Because he's for you. Oh, man. It's much easier to live worry-free. It's much easier easier to live faith-filled and fear-free. Amen? Amen? You'll sleep better at night if you'll do this. Not that, but cast your burden on the Lord. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I I can handle half of them. I I pray the Lord will take the other half. He ain't going to take any of them. And he doesn't want half of them. He wants them all. It's not his responsibility to take your burdens from you. It's our responsibility to cast our burdens upon him. Oh, thank God he can handle it. Now let's look at the crux of this message this morning. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. I want to look at this major key that I believe the Lord would have us to emphasize here in the next few moments that we have. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, would you read with me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Here's the next key, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, please keep that verse up here for just a few minutes because we're going to work with this for a moment. Notice with me that we can be kept by his keeping power through faith. Faith in the power of God. Faith in his keeping power will enable us to be positioned to be kept whole until he returns. And so 
to do that, there must be a cooperation on our part. We could say it this way. I like this. We could say that faith activates his preserving power. Faith activates the preserving power of God in the life of a believer. Amen. Faith in God's keeping power. He's keeping me. He's keeping you. Now, notice with me in 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 7. You're listening so good, we're moving to the next verse. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. Now, would you not agree that the Apostle Paul faced some pretty big fights? But you know what he said? He said, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. So, Understand this, when Paul is writing this or pinning this, he's at the spiritual airport getting ready to take his flight to heaven. Paul knew that his departure was at hand. Amen? Anybody ever flown on a flight out of Oakland? Raise your hand. Okay? And your flight was at 10 o'clock in the morning, right? Well, you probably got up about 6, finished up your packing, and headed to the airport. You were preparing for your departure. Amen? And that's what Paul was doing. He knew that he had finished his race. And he said, here, I have fought. What kind of fight? Now, you already know what the definition of a good fight is. But I'm going to ask you once again. What is the definition of a good fight? A good fight is the fight that you win. When the Giants got beat in the fourth game by the Chicago Cubs, they had them all the way to the ninth inning. It was a good game up till then. It wasn't a good game. We lost. No, a good fight is a fight that you win. Now, so Paul is saying, I have fought a good fight. Then he went on to say, I have finished my course. Notice he didn't say, my course has finished me. He said, I have finished my course. There is a vast difference between your course finishing you and you finishing your course. Amen? And that has to do with living life light and easy and not allowing yourself to burn out. So he said here, I have finished my course. In other words, I've done to the best of my ability, by the help of the Holy Spirit, everything that God has called me to do. And then he says, I have kept the faith. This came to me last, the last hour I taught in the 9 a.m. service. And that is this. If you will keep the faith, your faith will keep you. Say this to me. If I will keep the faith, my faith will keep me. Now, we want to qualify that. We're not talking about faith in our faith. We're talking about faith in Him. Faith in our Creator. Faith in His keeping power. Faith in His Word. Amen? So understand that. That in and of yourself, you are nothing. But in Him, 
You are complete. You are accepted. And your faith qualifies you for his keeping power. So he said here, I have fought. What kind of fight? I have finished my course. And I have also kept the faith. We could say beyond any shadow of a doubt, based on what we've looked at, that Paul was a fighter. And so here's the next key to being kept. We must be good fighters. We must be good fighters. But in order to be a good fighter, we must of a necessity know where the fight is and what the fight is all about. If I am fighting something that is not really my enemy, I'm just beating the air. If I'm fighting something that is non-essential in the eyes of God, then I am wasting my time. There is a fight. But notice with me now in 1 Timothy 6.12. Man, you listen so good. You are a pastor's dream. I mean, to be able to come and minister God's word to you guys. I mean, you're just at the table. You're saying, give me some more. 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul was a fighter. I'm a fighter. You're a fighter. In 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, fight. And there's that word again. What kind of fight? He said, I fought a good fight. And then he says, now fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you have been called and professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, fight the good fight of faith. Know what you're fighting. Now, I want to define to you what fighting the good fight of faith is and what fighting the good fight of faith is not. And if you listen very carefully and implement in this in your life and perhaps make some changes that I needed to make years ago, because I thought fighting the good fight of faith was fighting something that was non-essential in the sight of God. Now, to know what something is, we must, you could look at what something is not. Because in identifying what something is not, it makes it more clear what it is. So number one, fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting the devil. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Fighting the good fight is not fighting the devil. Because in the mind of God and in the eyes of God, the devil has been whooped. The devil is not all bad like he comes on to be. The devil is a defeated foe. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy, undo, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil. Listen, friend. When Jesus rose from the dead... When he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And when he presented his blood into the holy of holies. When he was raised from the dead. The devil was completely dethroned. Completely put to naught. 
He is nothing in the eyes of God, and he should be nothing in our eyes. We should not be giving him attention that is not due him. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't exist, and I'm not saying that he isn't persistent. He is persistent. He does exist. But my Bible says that if we will submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. He will run from us as in terror. So here's what's happened. The attacks have come to all of us throughout our lives. And the trick of the enemy is to get us to become more devil conscious and more attack conscious than we are God conscious. In other words, it's so simple and so subtle to set your mind on all the things that are going wrong, on all of the symptoms, on all of the difficulties that you're facing. And all of a sudden, whether we realize it or not, we're magnifying the problem and we're minimizing the answer. And in all the time... Jesus is the answer. So what I'm saying to you, fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting the devil. It's not even really fighting symptoms. You know, you can get into a huge sweat and a huge turmoil over symptoms that hit your body and start... You know, talking about the symptoms and, oh, I'm not having the symptom. I'm not having that symptom. I'm, I'm fighting these symptoms. No, step away from that. Open your Bible. Take hold of the word of God and the sword of the spirit and start declaring what God's word says about that disease. Start declaring what God's word says about that poverty. Start declaring what God's word says about your loved ones being saved and fight from victory, not for victory. Are you getting this? Seriously, are you getting this? Because this makes all the difference in the world. You can waste weeks and months and years fighting symptoms. You can waste weeks and months and years fighting the devil. But oh, if you'll just, oh, here it is. If you'll just take your place that was freely given to you by his grace and access it by faith and believe and declare and say, you will win the victory every time. So fighting the good fight of faith is not those things. But fighting the good fight of faith is fighting to stay in faith. Fighting the good fight of faith is fighting and resisting fear. That's where the fight is. Fighting the good fight of faith is casting down those imaginations when they come to your soul. Amen? But it's doing it out of a place of authority, not out of a place of fear. The Bible says you cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when your thoughts are tempted to go haywire, you bring them into captivity. And you say, no mind, we're not thinking that way. We're not looking at that. We're not talking about that. We're not fearing that. I am single-minded with my heart and my mind and my thoughts on him. That's why the Bible says, looking away 
from all those distractions unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. But somebody says, yeah, but the symptoms are real and the battle is real. Yes, they are real, but the word of God is more real. I said the word of God is more real. And so I encourage you not to look at the things which are subject to change, but to look at the things which are not subject to change. For the things which are subject to change are only temporary or subject to change. But the things, God's word is eternal. And forever, O Lord, his word is settled in heaven. And so it's my responsibility and your responsibility to take this word, become established in it, settle it in here, and stay in the faith zone. Listen to this statement. Fighting the good fight of faith is fighting to stay out of the reasoning and the fear realm and staying in the faith zone. Amen? Do you see the difference? There's a big, there's a, there's a vast difference. Trying to do it in the flesh will never produce spiritual results. But if you will fight in the realm of the Spirit, you will get the results that you need. Amen? Amen. Now, one way to fight the good fight of faith, as 1 Timothy says, we are to fight the good fight of faith with a good confession. You know, the best example of anyone who fought the good fight of faith was Jesus. Jesus. You know, when he was tempted of the devil out there in the wilderness, the enemy came along and said, you know, if you're the son of God, command what? That these stones be turned into bread. If you're the son of... If Jesus was fighting this out of his flesh, he would have pulled out his camel license and said, yeah, here, I'm the son of God. But he didn't fight out of the reasoning realm. He fought out of the spiritual realm. He kept him in the realm of what was written. He said, it is written. Man is not going to live by bread alone, but by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you will stay with what is written, and if you will stay in the written zone, and you will pull out the sword of the Spirit, you will whoop the devil every time with the written word of God. You know what John saw on the Isle of Patmos when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? John saw this. In Revelation 1.16 it says, He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the shining sun in his strength. This sharp two-edged sword came out of Jesus' mouth when he said, It is written. Now understand this, that he had to say it was written three times. So we must be persistently and consistently in the word to know what is written, to use it as a sword against Satan's attacks when they come. Amen? But it was after the third time that the Bible says that the devil left him for a more opportune time. And he will leave you and he will run from you as you stand on your covenant. Amen? 
So Jesus overcame by the written word of God. Look at Ephesians 6 verse 17. Ephesians, the 6th chapter, the 17th verse. This is at the end of the dissertation that Paul was talking about the Roman soldier. And he was seeing this as he was in prison. And he said in verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and what? And take the sword of the Spirit. The same sword of the Spirit that came out of Jesus' mouth is part of your weaponry. It is the Word of God. It is the spoken rhema. Word of the living God. Amen. Amen. Now, who will give me about eight more minutes? All right. Okay, good. Because this will bless you. Look back at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 13. And I said earlier that Jesus is the best example of a man that walked this earth and fought the good fight of faith with an awesome confession of faith. In 1 Timothy 6.13, notice with me, he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens the dead, who quickens all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before who? Jesus professed a good confession right before Pontius Pilate. Now pull that up in the message translation. And I want you to see what it says there. He says, I am charging you before the life-giving God and before Christ, who took his stand. Everyone say, he took his stand. stand. Aren't you glad he did? He took his stand before Pontius Pilate, and he didn't give him... How much room did he give Pontius Pilate? He didn't give him an inch. Didn't give him an inch. My Bible says that we are not to give the devil any place. You give that rat an inch, he will try to take a mile. Now notice with me, when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, he's standing before him. And Pontius Pilate asks him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And here's the paraphrase of what Jesus said. He said, You rightly say that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice." I can see the confidence exuding from the master. He didn't flinch before Pontius Pilate. When he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you say I am, and I say I am. The neat thing about this is he didn't back down and he didn't back off. And he's our prime example of standing in the presence of our enemies, unflinching, not giving the enemy an inch, declaring who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ Jesus. And then Pilate got sassy. You know, the devil gets sassy sometimes. Pilate got sassy. And he said, don't you know, you know, the devil tries to to swag on us, tries to get real bad. He says, don't you know that I've got power to crucify you 
and I've got power to release you. Here's what Jesus said. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. At one time, he looked Pilate square in the face and says, don't you know that I'm my father's son? And even right now, I could call upon him to send legions of angels to deliver me. He chose not to. But here's the thing I want you to see. He answered every attack with the word of God. He says, the only power that you have is the power that's been given to you from above. He said, I've got power to lay my life down and to take it up again. Here's what I want you to see. This is an example for you and I. If we want to be kept by his power, if we want to be kept whole until he returns, we must exemplify the same unswerving faith that Jesus, the master, did. Do you see this? When the enemy comes along to tell you you are a victim, you stand up right in his face and say, No, I am not a victim. I am a victor in Christ Jesus. When he comes along to tell you you are helpless in this situation, there's no way out, you stand up in front of the pilots of life and you say, Jesus Christ, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he's provided a way out for me already. So, Mr. Devil, I am not taking your bait. I'm standing on my covenant. I'm standing on the word of the living God. And when the enemy brings discouragement to your soul, like he brought to David's soul, we just need to take our stand and refuse to be discouraged. We can go into the secret place of the Most High. And we can develop such an intimacy and communion with the Lord that the very presence of God permeates our very being and permeates the very atmosphere around us. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now I'm telling you what, Wednesday morning there's going to need to be some encouragement going on. Either way, no matter who you are for. There's going to be a lot of us that are going to be rejoicing. There's going to be a lot of us, that, a lot of people that are going to be repenting. I'm telling you, folks, Wednesday morning can be a day of victory or it can be a day of defeat. But you can determine right now, no matter what the outcome, no matter how it goes, I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to go Yahweh. I'm not going to be moved by discouragement or depression. I'm standing in the face of Pilate and I'm declaring God is God over this nation. Jesus is Lord over this state. I believe it's going to be a day of rejoicing. Hallelujah. A day of rejoicing. But you know, in life, and let's just get away from that completely. But in life, some things don't always go our way overnight. What do you do when things don't go your way? You determine in your heart. That you're going to go with God in spite of it. And you're going to go with God all the way. Every day of my life. I have a choice. 
either to rejoice or to be forlorn or to be down. I've chosen to stand in the face of opposition with the word of the living God and say, look, my God is keeping me. My God is protecting me. My God will take me all the way to my finish line. Amen.